Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. Well, we're going to kick it old school today. The OGs. We're going to go back back to uh, <laughs> back to how we used to do things. I got Drew sitting in the office with me. Yes, we're actually in office today. In the office, in, in person. In the office. And brings back a lot of memories. It does. It does. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have, you know, Luke with his shenanigans, you, you yeah. know, um, um, and you didn't have Adam, you know, Tennessee. You know, he's he's all excited this week because, you know, Tennessee won and all this different yeah. stuff, you know. Um, just, you know, the two OGs just sitting here eating, eating a bunch some, of donuts. Eating some donuts. <laughs> Drinking coffee. <laughs> Drinking coffee, eating some donuts, talking about deer. <laughs> Um, Enjoy the nice weather, dude. The yeah, night, the weather is—I don't know where you're at in the part of the country, y'all, but the southeast has got some got a little cold front coming in right now, and it's nice. It is nice. I went uh, went deer hunting on Monday in Tennessee. Took a quick—it was like so last minute. I had no intention of going. And on Sunday night, I asked my wife, "I was like, what if I went hunting tomorrow?" And she said, "That would actually be great." I guess she needed me out of the <laughs> house, like. That doesn't happen a lot. Like Don't usually, ask no questions, just leave. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, okay. <laughs> I started sharpening broadheads. All right, let's sharpen these jokers up. Whatever you say. And uh, she had a lot of stuff that she had to do yesterday or Monday, and uh, it, it ended up working out really well for us for me to be able to go and her to be able to get all her stuff done without me being in the house. Like, I think there is a thing with women um, on days that they are going to clean. Like, cause she had a small group at our house and yeah. a bunch of women came and she wanted to make sure everything was clean. Husbands, like, I don't know. When your wife cleans the toilet, do you feel bad about pooping in it? No. You don't? No. I do, man. No. I do every time. No. Whenever I walk in there and there's like the blue cleaner in there, I'm like, golly, this thing didn't, no. didn't make it too long. No. See, I, I have the exact opposite. I'm like, dang. I can sit here longer because it don't smell, <laughs> you know? And so, um, I don't know what it is, but, uh, uh, yeah. She didn't want me pooping in her clean toilet, so I went to Tennessee, took a quick day trip, met up with Catman, and uh, and hunted, mm-hmm. and uh, had a little bit of success, a little bit of failure, um, but both the success and the failure could both be con- counted as successes, right. I think, and I want right. to talk about it. Um, me and you got to talking about this. I think yesterday, and you kind of told me some scenarios that you had found yourself in early season, mm-hmm. and uh, or or maybe it's the lack of scenarios that you find yourself in early season. I know that's typically how it is for me. Early season is very slim as far as the buck encounters that I have. Yeah, I mean, it's especially here in the southeast. I I just don't hear consistently guys getting on bucks. Um, Multiple outside bucks. of outside of like having a corn feeder, yeah, yeah. Outside of a of a corn feeder, and um, you know, even even on a nice cold front like like this, I I still don't hear of a lot of guys consistently killing bucks early season. Um, I've I've only had one encounter um, with an early season buck here in Alabama in the last um, five years. Yeah, and um, so I just don't. Early season is difficult. It just is, you know, and for, for killing bucks. And we're talking early season, not the earliest season. So you have 
in <clears throat> Kentucky, Georgia, right, uh, Tennessee, the Velvet Hunt. Like you have those really early season, North Dakota, mm-hmm. where you're hunting deer in velvet, which which, which can, I think is easier. It can be easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're talking about like post velvet, right? Um, when most of the states are opening up, there's only a few states that you can hunt velvet deer in, right? Right. Before they get to their, they they, they basically shed that velvet, um, split up out of their bachelor groups mm-hmm. most of the time. And go into their move into their fall ranges, yeah, and fall patterns and or lack of pattern, right. I guess more than anything. Um, but there is a couple of things I've killed a few early season bucks uh, here in Alabama um, and Georgia actually when I lived there. So one of the things that I've that I have noticed is like. There's states like Tennessee. I see more bucks mm-hmm. early season when I hunt Tennessee. Yeah. See more bucks early season when I hunt Kentucky. See more bucks early season when I've hunted Georgia and Texas in the past. Yeah. Uh, obviously North Dakota, but that was pre-velvet. They were they were in velvet at that point. But um, Alabama kind of seems like it, it it can be more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the big woods nature of it. I think so because even even as as you were naming off states, there's only a couple in there that are what I would consider big wood states. You know, Georgia is I would consider that, but like sure the 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 Kentuckys, the Dakotas, you know, stuff like that. Even Tennessee, people I know because it's got a bunch of ridges and stuff like that, mountainous ranges. Yeah, but, you go to East Tennessee is probably a completely different yes, story. But I know West Tennessee, man, it's it. Um, having lived on the Mississippi side of of Arkansas, like it's just a bunch of crops you know yeah. and so i do think that the big woods definitely plays a part in that yeah there, sure. there's just so many places that a deer can go and mm-hmm. we, we we're not going to hash this out too terribly much i don't think because mm-hmm. no. we talk about it a lot big <clears throat> woods early season can tend to be tough but mm-hmm. yeah. um there are a few scenarios that i have that I have found uh and you were talking about it we were talking about it yesterday and you told me that the the encounter that you have had mm-hmm. with a buck early season really fit this same bill mm-hmm. And that is finding the fresh sign, mm-hmm. um, fresh buck sign. Now, I don't, it sounds contradict, contra, like it's contradicting ourselves mm-hmm. because we've talked about it multiple times, and our guests talk about it. I've heard Jamie McKay talk about it. Yeah, a lot of times that uh, Nathan Killen talks about mm-hmm. it, like not not hunting the the big sign when you're actually going in to try to kill a buck. Right. Um, all it's doing is telling you there's bucks in the area. Right. But you need to be hunting kind of a little bit differently don't hunt over scrapes I, th- I believe when i asked jamie mckay why don't you hunt over scrapes he said when you've hunted over scrapes as many times as i had without goes, killing years a deer, of sitting there not seeing deer <laughs> yeah you don't i'm not doing it right but this time of the season i don't know that scrapes necessarily are there but rubs tend to I, i'm i'm serious dude like whenever I, this time of year in september and october if i find a rub like a, a, mm-hmm. a at least a, a concentrated yeah. number of rubs, a cluster of them, yeah. or a good rub line. I didn't used to think this, but now after having done it several times and having these encounters, I would say that my percentage, mm-hmm. if I find a rub in a thicker area, you still have to read the terrain yeah. and the vegetation, right? Yeah. You're still trying to do that. Um, but I'll just, if I find the thing that I'm, that we're going to talk about, right? I would say I usually have about a 50, maybe even six. I hate to put a number on deer. You can't put <laughs> a, a number on deer, but statistically for me, yeah, I have a 50 to 60% chance of seeing that buck this time yeah. of year. If I find all of these things, right? which is, I mean, that's higher than just about even during the rut. I, I would never go to a spot in the rut and say I have a sixty percent chance of seeing a buck. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't do that. Yeah. But I would say with with the early season finding all these scenarios or finding all these uh, factors and usually works out. Yeah, factors is is probably the key word there too, Parker. Because what we're talking about is stacking the odds mm-hmm. in the sense of we you hear all the time getting as many. Um, factors in our favor as we possibly can get when it comes to transition thickets food everything and so um what what i think we're talking about here is not hunting um you know the rub that's that's on the end of the fence line 
you know. Or yeah, or on the edge of your green. Or field. on the edge edge of your green field, or by the highway, you know. Like uh, eventually you can hunt those, but but especially early season after velvet's gone, they've 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 gone solo. We're talking about following that rub line back to thick bedding. Um, it would be great if it if it backs up against bedding and there is a primary feed tree or food source mm-hmm. um, there. That's when I have found um, it's it's money, man. Like it's it's money. Do you remember the episode we did with Warren Wolmick Where mm-hmm. which which granted now th- this is not this is not a a a, uh, a slight to right. Mr. Wolmick at all, but. Warren likes kill deer, mm-hmm. right? He kills deer. If you yeah. follow him on Instagram, you see all his memories and stuff. He's got spikes. He's got basket racks. He's got does. But he's really got some nice bucks mixed in there. Yeah. Dude, yeah. he's killed so many deer that the with, nice with, ones. With traditional deer, too, y'all. I mean, yeah. So like, he's hunting with longbows and recurves. <laughs> he's killed so many deer, though, that, that even the nice ones kind of get drowned out by yeah. the, the sheer number of, of bucks. But if you remember the last episode we did with him, we talked about hunting these SMZs, mm-hmm. and uh, so basically an SMZ, a stream management zone, for anybody who doesn't know, it's going to be a strip of woods that the loggers leave uh, along the edges of a creek mm-hmm. to preserve that creek. I think it... it so erosion that, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, for erosion and yep. all that. Um, but what ends up happening is when you leave those strips, there's going to be oak trees yep. spread through there, right? and you have all this thick clear cut right. that's... or, or or planted pines or right. something like that that the deer are living in. Right. And they come into these SMZs to eat and still have all the cover that right. they had before. Right. It's just a strip of woods that runs up the middle of it. Yeah. And so he was talking about finding the hot feed tree in those stream management mm-hmm. zones. And it really goes into what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. for this. I The, the last buck that I killed mm-hmm. was uh, early season. Not the last buck that I killed. The last early season buck that I killed. Yeah. Um, was in the SMZ. Wasn't it, wasn't it on you? You went over your buddy's. Yep. Hunting loose. And, yeah, yeah. Went on his yeah. club. That I think that was the last early season buck that I killed. I think so. Uh, it was it was the last one that was in this this scenario. But I've had multiple encounters. Right. Obviously, <clears throat> uh, in Tennessee this week, I had the same thing played out, and I just missed the shot. And I'll talk about the. I'll talk about the specific yeah. specifics of that. But that last buck that I killed was in the same scenario. SMZ found the found the rubs, found a cluster of rubs, found acorns that were dropping right where that cluster of rubs were at. Mm-hmm. The buck came out, you know, right before dark yeah. and ran out to those acorns from the clear cut and I shot him. Right. And it was I mean, it was perfect. Right. And that was where it kind of clicked for me of if I find these rubs mm-hmm. and if I find the rubs with Another feature, which mm-hmm. is the hot feed tree with the yeah. hot oak or persimmon or, you know, it might be honey locust or something right. like that. Yeah. Typically, it's going to be oaks, yeah. though. Right now, it's going to be acorns on the ground. Yeah. Um, Man, the, the odds just it, – it's hard to find, though. It is. It's very – it's not like <clears throat> it's not like you're just going to go out to any old spot and, and find this. No. I was thinking about it, though, yesterday of, like – maybe I was – maybe it was on the phone with you. Like, man, it seems those those – stats are so high in my favor in that scenario it seems like i should be scouting early season until i find that scenario yeah hey guys as most of you know censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control so we've partnered with the social media platform go wild to combat the mainstream social media censorship go wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, like gift cards, free stuff like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you. The ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake-up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your work day, a good cup of high-quality coffee to start your day is imperative. When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee for Your Cause program, where 10% of your purchase 
goes to the conservation organization of your choice. Check out 6daygrindcoffeeco.com today. That's the word six, followed by daygrindcoffeeco.com. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I would <clears throat> I would definitely say that that moving forward, that's going to be my early season tactic. Or my, let, let me rephrase that. That's going to be my main way that I hunt early season, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, if you're... If you're wanting to, I mean, it's, this is a great way to kill does too, you know. But I mean, if you're just strictly a a rut hunter, which a lot of our guests are, um, I know everybody loves to hunt the rut, but I, I know there are some guys that um, Bobby Worthington's one of them that mm-hmm. uh, you know they um, they they kind of uh, Catman's another one, you know that they they they'll kind of sit back and um, kill some does during the early season, and then when it hits rut. Then, then they kind of move in for it, and there's mm-hmm. no, there's nothing wrong with that tactic. And, Shoot, that's what I do. I mean, that's I mean, you know, <laughs> I love doing that. Crap. Um, but as, as sometimes we don't want to go out because it's just like, oh, well, I don't, I don't, and I hear this all the time. I don't have any good bucks on camera, you know, or yeah. early season, or, or there's it's all nocturnal, which I understand all that, you know. Um, but I do, I do know, man. Sometimes you just, you just need you just need to go hunting, you know. And the best way to do that early season, in my opinion. Is to find that hot rub line, follow it back to thick bedding or that feed tree, um, and the feed tree to me is the is the, is the rubs and the feed tree are like the main factors yeah. in there. What you'll end up finding is when you follow those rub lines, mm-hmm. if there's or if there's a cluster of rubs, yeah. that's the that's one of the main things to yeah. me is finding that cluster yeah. where there's just a bunch. That's where I can tell like. I can read the what's around me mm-hmm. and say, okay, I'm in a hot. You can obviously tell that these deer are right. feeding on this this hot tree. Yeah, there's a cluster of rubs. He's not far. No, he's like, not. He's going to be pretty daggum close. Yeah. to where you're at, and um, almost every time I have these encounters, it's like you can tell the way the buck's body language is. He just got out of bed. Yeah, like he's been bedded yeah. right there. And normally in in SMZs, you will have some type of you know, uh, seasonal Creek running through it. So mm-hmm. you'll have the water there too. So they like just to, to your actual point Parker, they don't got to get up and go very far, Mm-mm. you know, like they have, they have all that they need right there. So they're not, they're not, um, going to have to travel a long ways for a water source or anything like that. Normally it's there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's what happened with my buck last year. The only encounter, um, that I've had with, with a good buck in Alabama, which I end up missing them. Um, was on something just like that mm-hmm. where I was walking in as it's a 30 acre piece. Um, and it's, it's basically all hardwoods, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, and so, I, um, it was early season and I was just hopping around checking spots, just seeing where hot sign was. And, um, I, I got permission on this, um, 30 acre spot. It's, it's a, it's a big, uh, on the right side of it, there's just it's just a big open farm country. So there's like a 300 acre farm there that that they run cattle on, and then there's 30 acres of woods. So I was hopping around checking different spots, and I walk in, and I hadn't taken like five steps there in the woods, and there was just a tree just tore up, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool, you know. Like I didn't, it didn't, I didn't go, oh my gosh, I'm gonna hunt right here, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I kept on walking, and like every other tree was just ripped. And I'm like, okay, there's there's something here. So I kept on walking, and there was a there's a big oak that was dropping, and you could tell it it looked just like Mr. Warren said, it looked like a, a tiller had come, and just just tore up the ground. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, noted. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just backed out. I'm Looks like, okay, I'm, I'm coming in in the morning. And so, oh gosh, you know, yeah, you get up and get up late, and then you know, I don't know about you, but you know, get up. Get your coffee, and then halfway through your coffee, you're like, oh, I, I, I got to use the bathroom. Talking about, you know, your wife not wanting to poop and toilet. <laughs> and so I was running late. I was running 10 minutes late, and I got in my tree, set my first stick on, and had just clipped in the climb. And I look up, and he's coming out of a out of, out of some thick stuff, walking to that tree. And I'm still I'm still hooked up. Um, my bow was on the ground, so I I. Um, I, I get it all situated and everything. And I had, I was trying to range. I was like, well, I'm just gonna pick a tree and range. So I, I picked a tree and I ranged the tree and he came in and he actually, he, he came in about five yards in front of the tree, 
but my number was 30, and he was actually probably at like 24. So I used my 30-yard pin, and he ducked it, and it went right over top of him. And uh, he he was a nice basket rack. I mean, uh, it'd been my first. <laughs> that's, that's that's a funny phrase. He was a nice basket rack. Yeah, he was. I mean, I mean, and I mean, I I enjoyed shooting at him, you yeah. know. And uh, but he he literally read the script perfect. And he had he had stopped when he was coming up to hit some of them trees, walking up that feed tree. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that 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 worked for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also say this, I checked three or four spots prior to that one that are kind of the same thing, hardwoods, acorns, and everything. Even with acorns falling, there wasn't a whole lot of sign, you know? Yeah. So, like, I mean, I was, this is my fourth fourth spot in, you know, before I found what I was looking for, you know? Yeah. And so, like, you're going to have to cover some ground. You really are because you're not going to find a rub on no. every spot because no. you're, you're, what you're doing and, uh, if you if you look at Spartan Forge mm-hmm. on the AI stuff, it, it's going to be pretty much this time of year, unless you have like a major cold front moving in or something yeah. like that. Pretty much this time of year, it's going to be uh, core area. Right. They're just hanging out in their core area. Right. And so, for me, what I'm finding is that when I find this sign, mm-hmm. when I find this, and by sign, I don't mean tracks. I don't necessarily mean community scrapes. Right. Um, that Which can I'm- help you. You, they can help you point you in the right direction. Right. But I'm talking rubs and feed sign. Right. And, and where they are both together with, uh, you know, obviously you're still using terrain features and you're still using vegetation because that's going to be natural travel. So if right. all those things are together, that's where I'm like, I'm setting up here regardless. Right. I might not see a deer, but statistically I have a very high chance of it. So um, that's what I like, like. I hunt the rut, and I usually kill bucks in the rut, right? You mm-hmm. kill bucks in the rut. Most people listen to this, we all wait for the rut. That's mm-hmm. when we're looking for it. And most of the time, early season, I'm like, well, I'm just going to hunt does. I'm going to shoot right. a bunch of does, right. whatever. Well, right now, I'm at three does. Right. And I, I Alabama hadn't even started yet. Right. So I'm trying to figure out these, like, okay, I don't want to just kill does. I want to kill bucks, too. Right. I usually spend the first couple of weeks shooting does, but I don't really need any more. Right. Um, I might kill one, try to shoot one with my recurve or something. I can always find a good excuse to kill one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I yeah. I have a month of Alabama season, two months, really, of early season mm-hmm. style hunting yeah. that I don't want to just kill does. I have time to... to Right. Dedicate to a buck. Right. And I think as a good deer hunter, what we should all be doing to increase our odds is is try to learn things. Mm-hmm. You know, try to learn these patterns that we see, right. um, consistencies that we see. And this always seems to be, this seems to be one of them. So yeah. I, I'm going to explain this scenario and kind of tell this story. I went to Tennessee for a day trip Monday and um, never been to this area this exact area. So all of my hunts, I was going in blind. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to also point out too, that this is my, we've talked about my, uh, mine and yours and a mm-hmm. lot of listeners and stuff kind of have this idea of like, I, 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 I'm not going to say I'm like a purist mm-hmm. or an elitist or anything like that. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't care how people kill deer. I just don't necessarily love the trail camera right. game. Right. Like that's not like finding a, when I see videos of people who are like, they saw this buck mm-hmm. um, on trail camera and they decided to go and hunt, you know, that's not my game. I don't right. care if somebody wants to do that. It's not a big deal. And it's valuable to know how to do it. Right. Uh, we did it. We, we did an episode with Jordan Pope. Yeah. Um, back at the end of deer season last yeah. year, he killed a giant buck because it walked by his cell camera mm-hmm. and he went in there and shot him. Yeah. That was cool. Right. It's not, it's not how I hunt. Mm-hmm. Not, and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. I love the surprise aspect and right. I like not knowing, you know, right. what the, what it's going to be. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is trying to figure out how to kill early season bucks without the use of cameras. Right. Specifically. If you have cameras, your game is different from what we're talking about. You can know, because yeah. bucks are moving around in places where there's not 
where it doesn't set up like this. Right. But if you have a camera, if you don't have a camera out, you're not ever going to know. You're just going to spend right. all your time trying to get lucky, basically. Right. And so this is my how I'm trying to do that. So I went up to Tennessee, never hunted this area before. It's all water access, all boat stuff. I met up with Catman, and me and him are cut from the same cloth And the fact that, you know, like, I'm just going out to shoot does. Mm. You know, I want to take a day trip so I can go shoot does. Well, uh, that morning, I went in like a moose. I, I sound like a moose getting through <laughs> those woods. And so I probably scared every deer out of the block of woods that I was in. Uh, but I found a lot of good sign. You know, I found a rub, uh, found two rubs and a hot feed tree. And uh, I actually was going to, that's where I was planning on hunting that evening. Because I got down, didn't see any deer, got down, went and found, scouted around this area and mm -hmm. found two rubs with a hot feed tree. So it was everything that we were looking for, that, that yeah. I was looking for. The only problem with that was um, where that was at, I felt like there was a good chance that I would run into somebody. Right. Uh, just because there was a, there was a hiking trail, mm -hmm. or not a hiking trail. It was a just a trail coming mm -hmm. out of a neighborhood. Right. That I felt like if I set up here tonight, this is a day trip. If I set up here tonight and somebody decides to come walking their dog through here, then my hunt, uh, it's not over. It's not shot, but it significantly decreases my odds. Right. So I decided not to hunt that area and go to a, a different spot and kind of look for the same thing. So yep. I go to this different spot and... um. I find really good sign, like really good, just deer sign, not mm -hmm. rubs or anything, but just heavy trails. In Tennessee, it's legal to put mineral mm -hmm. salt on uh, public land mm -hmm. spots. And so right when I got out of the boat and started walking around, I found a cell camera with a mineral lick mm -hmm. and just spider webs of trails coming into that mineral lick. And at the time, I'm like, you know, I just kind of want to shoot a doe, mm -hmm. you know, that'd be fine with me. Yeah. But I ended up moving and and keeping moving forward and not yeah. – there is an aspect of it that's like, man, somebody might be hunting here. Mm. There's no telling what's gone, gone on right here. You know, we talk yeah. about that, the pressure. Right. Just because there's a, 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 a bait, basically, mm. for lack of a better word, just because there's that mineral lick and it's in a cell camera does not mean that there's – a bunch of deer coming into this one spot. It and could, <laughs> it might, yeah. but there might have been somebody hunting it for the last right. four days, you right. know. So I decided to just keep moving and follow one of the trails, one mm -hmm. of the fainter trails along the property line. And when I did that, uh, I got about two hundred yards from that mineral site and found a rub mm -hmm. um, right on the property line. Mm -hmm. Now over to my left, it, this is basically like urban public land, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's houses and stuff like that, you know, people everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> there's Pete, there's a lot of human presence here. Yeah. Um, and so that rub was leading into somebody's, basically their garden, their mm -hmm. flower garden. And, uh, and that's kind of the, in this area, you can consider the neighborhood to be like the main food sources. Right. People are probably feeding corn, you know, doing all that kind of stuff and bird feeders, bird feeders, yeah. Yeah. gardens. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. And so you're kind of considering that to be like your quote-unquote crops. Right. Um, or your, your nighttime yeah. food sources. So I find this rub, and it was it just happened to be kind of on this uh, drain mm -hmm. coming off of a hill. And in my mind, the way I was thinking about it was like, okay, if there's a rub right here going into the yard, uh, I could probably find more rubs if i follow this drain mm -hmm. up the hill because that deer right. is probably going to be if he's here right now he's going to be bedded on the other side of that hill just right. for the way the wind direction was um and where the water was right trying to use that to my advantage too so i just followed that drain it always seems like those drainages kind of mm -hmm. end up like we've talked about before that like they're kind of like the exit yep. of the interstate yep. off of an interstate and so I follow it, and I find more rubs. I found mm -hmm. a few more rubs going up through there, and I got to a bench. And on that bench, uh, I was in a bunch of Virginia pine is pretty much what it mm -hmm. was. So anybody who doesn't know what Virginia pine is, it's like a – it almost looks like a really tall cedar. Yeah. Um, it's like a cedar and a pine had a baby. Yeah. And <laughs> it's it's really branchy, um, really thick, and uh, seems like deer really like to be around it. But mm -hmm. there was a lone pin oak that was – 
right in the middle of it on this on this bench and it was tilled up like we yeah. were talking about like i was seeing the the yellow was popping on the ground from right. the acorns where they'd been crunching on them yeah and i could see that yellow, and it was very fresh yeah and there's two rubs right there on that feed sign well the way i was thinking about this was i only got about 150 yards maybe mm-hmm. to the water so he's not going to be on the other side of that water right right He's somewhere between me and mm-hmm. the water, or I spooked him already, right. which is a very real possibility. But I'm going to go ahead and set up right here because it has everything that I'm looking for. Right. It's, you know, it's it's a core area, obviously. It's really thick. It's got that Virginia pine stuff mm-hmm. with a really heavy understory. It's got the one, there's one, if you look at the map, you can see it's like all green and then one oak, one orange tree top that you can <laughs> see on the map. And and that's so what the you're tree. telling me is if I'm looking at something like that, hunt there, <laughs> dude. If it's this time of year, yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're looking for a hot uh, hot, hot feed, feed tree, yeah. you find the isolated ones that aren't just in a whole it's bunch money, of man. oaks. It's money. Those isolated ones, if it's dropping, it can yeah. be really good. And so that's where I ended up setting up at. Um, sure enough, at four forty-five, so pretty early. Yeah, in the hunt. I see a tree moving, and like it was moving violently. Yeah. And uh, then I see an ear flicker, and yeah. there he was. Now, granted, he was. I, I'm. I'm not. I, I don't know that he was a young deer mm-hmm. necessarily. I know in this area there's so many deer yeah. that there's like high competition for food. Yeah. Um, and the deer don't get huge. Right. In this area. Right. Um, because it, it's like anything when you go out to the texas hill country there's so many deer and the deer just aren't massive yeah you'll have a random one every once in a while that right. gets big but right but most part your deer so he he may have been like a, a two and a half or might have been a three and a half year old yeah. deer you know i don't know but he was you know like you said uh a good basket rack good basket rack man um never which turned is, down a good basket rack which is going to be like your <laughs> typical buck in this area mm-hmm. and uh and I, I, but I never really got a great look at him, so I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what he was. Because you were in some thick stuff, right? It was really yeah. thick, yeah. I think he was about uh, um, an eight point. He mm-hmm. might have been a six, even yeah. or a seven, somewhere right in that range. Uh, but he had really dark antlers. I do know that he had a big body, and he was you know coming right to me. And his body language was like, I just woke up. Yeah, you know how they get that way yeah. where they're kind of like. So was he coming from the water? Like he was, so, he was, yeah. he was in between. You he was in between and me and the yeah. water, and um, was it, was there anything between you and the water that was it? What was there any elevation change or anything like that? It was or a was, big hill. Okay, all right. The whole place is a big. <clears throat> it's a big. Excuse me. A big hill, basically. Yeah. That's all it was. Right. And I'll, I'll show you a picture of it. I'm not going to show the picture to. You mean you're not going to give us a. Uh, <laughs> a map so there there you can see how it's just like a big yeah it's just a one big hill and mm. and that deer was somewhere right in there um he may have been right over right over there because he was kind of walking this way mm-hmm. where i ended up setting up at that's that drainage mm-hmm. right there it's very subtle you yeah. can't hardly see it that's the drain and that feed tree was like right on that little bench right there yeah like right in there. Yeah, you can see it. You can see a little. Yep, and there is the oak. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, and you can see there's a couple of other oaks right there in that mm-hmm. little line, and that ended up screwing me too. Uh, as you get into the story, you'll hear that. Yeah. But that's the big oak. That's the big oak that was dropping, um, and he was somewhere right in here, I think, bedded up. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, he comes in, and in this spot, it's so thick that I really only have. About 12 yards on either side of me right. that I can shoot and have a, uh, what's, ethical right. shot maybe is the right word? Yeah. Um, I don't even like the word ethical in this situation because a lot of times if you're hunting bucks, where bucks live, you're going to have to thread needles mm-hmm. a lot of time. And you'll hear it, you'll watch it on YouTube, watch any of these guys that are shooting bucks, Yeah. they, they say consistently, like... I might have to thread the needle on this one. It's just real thick in here. Yeah. And that's just a, it's a high risk, high reward type thing. And sorry, my Facebook messenger is going 
nuts and I didn't silence my computer. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't feel bad mm-hmm. about taking these shots. I, I get comments all over mm-hmm. YouTube whenever I take these shots. Um, but I do feel like I should, I should work on it. We'll get into that. Uh, so anyway, the buck comes out. He's about to come into 12 yards. That tree I'm in is dropping. He's about to, I mean, yeah. when you watch the video, you'll see, you can see his face yeah. in the direction that he's headed and yeah. he's right there. Yeah. Um, but I just can't shoot. He's under 20 yards at this point. Yeah. But I just can't shoot. I don't have a shot. And he's about to come out, and then an acorn drops on one of those smaller oaks behind him. <laughs> it drops, and I hear it hit, and he looks up and walks over there to have it. You, have you seen the, the Taco Bell commercials where they're like, like there's a goalie, and it like hits, and it makes the Taco Bell ring sound? And it, he just walks off the playing field. <laughs> that's I haven't seen that, but that sounds like very that, similar. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it's like. He's sitting there. He, he's get, he's getting ready to come in, and then it drops, and then Taco Bell calls him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go check that out." Yep. And and so it, you you were <laughs> you were um, screwed over by the very thing that you were counting on. Exactly. <laughs> and and so. screwed over is a harsh word because I mean, if had I, nature. had I had I waited. Uh, the outcome may have been different because, which that's something we can talk about too. I feel like he would have eventually come through because the sign all pointed to that they're spending their time here. I just rushed the situation. Uh, I've heard people talk about like carrying, mm-hmm. taking a handful of acorns in with you mm-hmm. up into the tree, and whenever that happens, dropping one and seeing if he'll or dropping two maybe. That's a good thought. Actually, I, I, I've, I've actually never heard that until right now. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's a good thought. It, it, it could work, you know, in that, yeah. in that scenario. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment where everything works together. And we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. But there's also, too, you you will hear guys that, that kill bucks consistently especially big bucks. And the first person I've heard say it was, was Dan Infault. He goes, when you get an opportunity to kill them, the first opportunity that you get, mm-hmm. you know, just, um, because you, you don't know. I mean, you could play the what if game, um, until the cows come home, you know, um, with, with a big buck, there always seems to be something, you know, like they'll, a wind, the, the, the wind will shift or, you know, they'll, they'll skirt just on the outside of, cause they, they just seem to know that, Hey, I know Parker has 12 yards, that 15 yards that, that he can shoot. I'm mm-hmm. not going to step in that opening, especially when there's acorns over here. You know? Yeah. It's it's like they got a – I know they can't reason or logic or anything, but they have this sense about them. Um, and so – Here's another interesting thing. I understand, you know, you know, uh, you know, a small window type thing, but you also – I mean, you got to kill them whenever you can. Yeah. So here's another interesting thing about this story. That I kind of forgot about until last night. I was thinking about it. Uh, I was drinking water and I choked on it. And like you know, when you get those chokes and yeah. you cannot, yeah, it goes not down the wrong cough. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard a deer do that? A deer cough? I've never heard a deer cough. It sounds like a muffled human cough. Really? It's like, <laughs> so I'm like sitting there, like feeling like <clears throat> I'm about to suffocate because yeah. I'm trying to cough. About five minutes after that is when that buck ended up coming in. So I'm I'm wondering if maybe he didn't think there was another deer in the area and came in over to check it out. Which I mean could be, especially with as much deer as there are around mm-hmm. there, you know. Um, and it, and if and if he's already hitting a tree like that, and you said it was shaking good, that means he was pretty fired up, you know. And um, that's what I want to talk about earlier too. Was um, whenever we're talking about following the rub line back, normally y'all. What you're doing is you're only hunting one deer. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm not saying that that deer don't, that other deer won't use those scrapes mm-hmm. or or rubs, but generally it is one deer that's already fired up, and you're hunting him. Yeah, you're hunting his core area, you're and there might be another one in there. There might be, but as far as the one laying down the sign, it's probably just one. Uh huh. So, um, 
so yeah, I mean, he was already fired up because if, if if he was shaking trees and all this different stuff, so it wouldn't surprise me if if that if that's if what that he was happen. coming into. Yeah, yeah. I I, I kind of forgot <clears throat> about the whole thing until yeah until later. But I remember when I was coughing, I thought, well, crap, I'm not going to see anything. Yeah, because like I said, there's only 150 yards until you get to the water. I wondered if you um because I know we we don't use grunt calls a a whole whole lot. Uh uh-uh. Um, just uh just we just don't. But I do wonder if anybody else has had this encounter like 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 we've had, and they were able to literally grunt a grunt at a buck in October and him respond. I've heard of that. Yeah. My dad heard about it. Yeah. From maybe it was Tony Peterson talking about it or something. Mm-hmm. Dad mentioned it to me because he had a grunt call in his bino harness when we were in Kentucky. Yeah. And I was like, "Why do you have a grunt call right. in September?" That's, that's what I would say. And he yeah. was like, "And he was like, well, I actually heard somebody talking about it. Yeah. That not like necessarily." Blind calling at him, but I think it's more of a if you see one and you're trying to get him to come in range, right? Just to make him curious, right? About it, and that cough could have been it. I remember um, back whenever Michael Pike was uh, with Southern Ground, mm-hmm. he did a video. It was during the rut, so it was a little bit different, but he um, crushed up some uh, pine mm-hmm. bark, yeah, and uh, was basically blind calling, yeah for lack of better words, with pine bark. Yeah. He just took it off the tree and just kind of shook yeah. it around, and a buck came in and he shot it. It was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It was the rut, so they're a little more fired up. They're a yeah. little more likely to come to something like that. But, right. uh, you know, I think the sounds, the natural-ish sounds can can really work pretty yeah. well. It, that That's just an interesting thought that I had. Because when, whenever you said, you know, you, you like cough because you're about to die there in the tree. But it, it, it very well could have called him in. So I was just wondering if... If you had a grunt call, you know, if I'd, it would have changed, if it, if, 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 if it he could have come it. in and, and here, so here's what I was going to say, judging by the sign that I was seeing and the body language of the deer, mm-hmm. he was probably going to walk over, eat that acorn that just fell. Right. And then eventually work his way right back to me. And, but I, I'm pretty transparent. <laughs> I try to be transparent, especially on podcasts, mm. um, because I think transparency helps other people. Right. Um, it, it's all in vain if I don't share the, if I don't share the experience right. to, you know, try to help right. other people not find themselves in the situation. But I feel like I probably would have got a better shot at that deer <clears throat> if I'd have just waited, but he went back the opposite direction and I took a shot through a, a hole that is only 22 yards. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that far, but it, that hole was just, it was too much. It was too tight. Yeah. I ended up hitting a tree branch, um, very similar to the deer that I missed in Kentucky, the mm-hmm. big one I missed in Kentucky a few years ago. Yeah. Probably would have made it through that hole, but I hit the branch that was the closest to me. Right. I just it was like kind of in my peripheral. It wasn't right. really Yeah, you, you weren't you weren't focused on it. I wasn't focused on that You're one. I was focused on the yeah, past yeah, it. Yeah. And I watched the video and it just just yeah. deflects it and yeah. and ended up missing the deer. He wasn't too spooked. He he didn't know what happened. That's the yeah. other good thing about hunting thick stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot a lot of stuff's making noise yeah. on those branches. Squirrels are, birds are. Yeah. Anytime a hickory nut or an acorn falls to the ground, it's hitting fourteen branches on the way down. Yeah. You know. And truth be told, too, especially since it's an urban area, there's noise all the time. Oh, I was listening to some. I was listening that whole day. I was listening to somebody's baby cry inside of their house. Like right. that's how yeah. close I was to people. Yeah. Deer or not. They're, they get used to that kind of stuff. But yeah. the noise, it surprised him more than anything. He bumped off about 30 yards yeah. and started eating again. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe he'll come back. He never did. Um, but right at dark, a doe did. She came in perfect. Big old doe. Big doe. Came in 12 yards and I... Drilled her. Very much. <laughs> I very much. I killed her. <laughs> I redeemed Hard. myself. <laughs> I killed her real dead. Um <laughs> <laughs> it was it was one of those shots she was walking towards me and just quartered to me just just a hair it was yeah. almost straight on but she was like right there and i was really high up yeah and so i hit like right at the top of the scapula yeah and it came out it full pass through just yeah. zipped through her it came out um like right in right like bowler room right below the sternum yeah i guess yeah uh kind of where Kind of close to where you, when you would start gutting them, yeah. When you would start, which is cutting. where all the all the oh, are. dude, yeah. it 
there was so much blood inside <laughs> of her. Yeah. Because she didn't go far. She she ran like a bat out of hell, which they don't yeah. usually do with these with these uh, cut on contact heads. But she said, and I was like, crap, she's about to go so far. Yeah. But she literally ran hard for twenty or thirty yards, stopped and fell over. Yeah. Just dead as could be. Yeah. And it was like a murder scene, man. There was blood everywhere. Yeah. Really good when you get those low exits like that. Yeah. It especially I mean, coming from a pile like that. That coming blood down, drains dude, down. Like a hammer. Yeah. Um. So I was excited. You know, it was a nice consolation. It 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 went from being a doe hunt to a buck hunt to back to being a doe hunt right. again. Well, it it also does something for your confidence though too. When yeah, like, and because you any any time you miss, whether you hit a limb or you just over under them whatever you just you're like you just you, just, you start second guessing yourself and, mm-hmm. and it, in the sense of like I well, did, I, did i anchor right like was i mo- was was a was was did I, did I move my left arm i'm like you just start asking you just the say, answer you just, is no yeah the answer is is no for me right. and and this is another another time of me trying to be transparent to help other people man my target panic is so real really yes i am it's like i know i know what the right thing is to do i'm very conscious about it Mm -hmm. and i think about it the whole time but when i go to take the shot it's like i gotta kill the deer right i gotta kill it yeah you know and and i want to take they say i think i was talking to luke last night and he was like if he ain't slinging you ain't killing (laughs) and he's right yeah a lot of guys who are just who kill good deer every year are going to tell you that same thing. If you're not shooting, then you ain't going to kill it. Yeah. And if you get an opportunity, you need to take it. Right. YouTube warriors, keyboard warriors are going to say you shouldn't have taken that shot. It's unethical because they've, for, for decades, they've been watching bone collector shoot deer in a cornfield. Right. Where you or have manicured lanes. Yeah. Where yeah, you yeah. have the the real reality is public land if you're hunting on public land where you're not especially going in blind these opportunities these are still opportunities where it's illegal you, to cut anything you, yeah like, you don't have lanes no you've got to you've got to be i'm not you don't have to be okay with taking those shots but i can tell you most of the guys who are consistent are mm-hmm. okay with taking those shots and, and it's it's this line that I try to find. I don't know what it is of like necessary and ethical. Right. So what's necessary? Right. It, it is necessary to take these shots sometimes. Otherwise, you're not going to kill deer. Right. Because these bucks are living in thick areas. Um, but is it ethical if you hit a tree branch and it deflects it? And luckily, luckily for me, it was a clean miss. But if it deflects it and hits it in the neck. Mm-hmm. Or in the brisket, then all you did was just wound a deer when you could have just passed up the opportunity. Right. It's kind of the... I know people have issues with Ranch Ferry because he talks about this very same thing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're teaching, teaching an entire generation to take unethical shots. Well, I don't I don't know where I... Yeah, I mean, it's... Stand. it's I, I see what they're saying. I, I Yes, I agree 100%. I can, I can see your argument. And, yeah. And... Not only that, I won't argue against it, you know. But also, if you told me I won't take those shots, I wouldn't say, "Well, okay. you're a loser." Yeah, I would I, say, uh, you know, that's I, that's your that's fine choice. And uh, man, it's it's a tough one. And and y'all, we would love to know what 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 you think on it. You know, hit us up on the Southern Ground Facebook page and on on YouTube videos and everything, just because I and it. And it, and it might be different for, you know, guys that, and I'm not even going to say public land guys versus uh, private land, because it's not that. There's there's a bunch of places on my lease that, you know, in the middle of clear cuts where you can't see more than 12 yards, you know, and it's thick and nasty. So, like, but that's where the deer live. Like, deer deer don't know it's lease land. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they, they don't have any idea of what, who... Who owns the land? They they know where the property boundaries are, though. <laughs> yeah, but, they know but, where people. They, hunt yeah, them. yeah, and and so, um, so deer, especially southern deer, um, normally live in thick stuff. So, outside of the rut 
or even in the rut, you know, um, they they love to skirt, skirt those bedding areas. Sometimes they skirt them five feet out, and it's like, oh, man, they're broadside. Sometimes they're inside, and you got to stop them between two trees, or sometimes you can't stop them, and they stop on their own. And I actually started shooting with my deer target in um, my, my wife said I was lazy. I said, I was not lazy. There's a purpose to letting this grass grow around this deer target. And so, but, it, but, it, but it was for that. So, um, you know, we, we, that's why we made a switch, a switch to, uh, cut on contact heads, you know, and that's what I do. I, I have my deer target up and there is grass around it and, and I'm shooting right through the grass. Cause I know I'm going to be ground hunting a lot. And so I won't have that elevated position. Um, and so I want something that I can punch through that grass with. Now, what, I, what do I want to punch through the grass? No, I would rather them be, you know, have a clear shot of everything broadside, 15 yards, slightly quartered away. That's what we all want. But unfortunately, um, we don't always get that, you know, and, and I understand if you, if, if you want to say, wait, okay, then, then wait. But I also know too, with the way that I hunt, I have a full-time job. I have a family. Um, I have different things going on. I don't, if, if I have an opportunity at a deer, I want to capitalize on it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that's, that's why I choose to take some thicker shots, you know? Um, and it, and it, it's, it's, it's really up to the hunter. It is. I am. I find myself being in the middle because after I took that shot yesterday, I'm like, gosh, dang it, I should have taken that shot. Mm. And almost every time that happens, I feel the same way. I feel like, dude, you know better than to do that. Mm. And usually those shots are quick, so you have a hard time stopping the deer. A lot of times, I'm not going to try to stop him. I'm going to try to shoot him moving through I, there because... I, that's a great point. I don't know where he's going to stop. That's a great... I, I actually personally think, this is just me... I don't, and I think you fall here, here in the same camp. I would rather shoot at them walking. Now, and when I say walking, I'm not talking about like walking fast. No, I'm you're talking, talking about, about just, like a, like a, just a, just a normal a feeding deer walk. walk. Yeah. Yeah. Just a feeding walk. I would rather shoot at them doing that than go eh, and then put them on high alert and, and then they duck 15 inches. That's me. I would, I would rather hit them. Um, I would rather if, and I know I'm, I might get roasted for it, but it's fine. I would rather shoot a little bit back walking and catch one lung, maybe the back of two lungs, okay, rather than hit above the lungs in that no man's land because they duck. Mm -hmm. Or miss them entirely because they duck 15 inches because you just put them on high alert. That's yeah. just me. I've, I agree. I've, I've missed enough where, where I aimed, my aim was spot on, and it was perfectly in line. And then doggone jokers dropped. 16 inches and I completely miss And you backstrap them or backstrap them or you, you know, hit them in the spine, which then you're like, okay, if you want to talk about ethical, mm -hmm. that's a whole separate argument, you know, because then you got to do a follow-up shot and all this different stuff. And so like, that's just my opinion. You can have a different one and that's fine, you know, but I, I don't like to stop them. I, I and I always, I kind of go back and forth yesterday or Monday. I was thinking I should have stopped him. Because I could have at least settled. So what ends up happening is when I don't stop them, <clears throat> I'm I'm not burying the pin. Uh, it's kind of floating until he right. gets to that spot and right. I shoot. Right. And a lot of times it just feels too chaotic. There's not enough, you know, your shot process is, you know, kind of thrown off a little bit. Right. And, you know, it. It's, again, it's one of those personal decisions. We could harp on it a little bit more. But regardless, I miss the deer. And luckily, I completely missed him, and didn't spook him too bad. Uh, but it, it going back to what the point of the podcast mm -hmm. this episode is. Um, I killed a doe, which is good. That's not necessarily what we're talking about. Right. Uh, I killed her because I was on that worked. on that hot feed tree. The yeah. plan itself worked, right. and again, it, this scenario played itself out, and I saw a buck. So what I'm going to do. Going moving forward once Alabama season opens, you've got just a short amount of time uh, of hunting the deer before they get pressured hard. Right. You know, maybe a week or two. Right. Before they realize something's different. There's people right. here. You know, and uh, 
typically what I'm doing the first two weeks is I'm just going out to shoot does. And I'm kind of in a cool situation because I've shot my does. I kind mm-hmm. of got the quote unquote bloodlust out of the way. Right. I have, you know, put good shots on three does. Mm-hmm. I feel confident. Um, even though I missed that deer, I missed that deer because of the scenario though. Right. I didn't miss him because I shot bad. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I missed him because I hit a freaking tree. Right. Um, but I think what I'm going to do and what I would encourage other people to do, if you don't want to shoot does, if that's not your thing and you're just trying to hunt bucks and you don't want to use a trail camera, try this, try mm-hmm. this out, man. Try to find, there's not a whole lot of times of the season that I would say to go and hunt rubs. But this, we're coming up on the perfect time to do it, especially in a in you know the big woods mm-hmm. setting, where you don't have a lot of crops that are manipulating what deer right. are doing. Um, but even then, if I'm going back to Kentucky in two weekends, and I'm gonna be hunting cut cornfields, but I'm gonna be trying to find the cut cornfields with that right. sign because that that'll tell me right. there's a buck fairly close because it's still early. Right, it's still early season. Right. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, this isn't necessarily anything new for me mm-hmm. because I've, I've done this several times. And, um, but what is new for me is, uh, I, I think what I'm going to do moving forward is scout until if I'm going after a buck, unless I just happen to see one mm-hmm. bedded in a certain spot or yeah. something like that, if I'm going after a buck, I'm going to use these, yeah. this tactic. Yeah. I'm going to try to find, I'm going to spend more time scouting in season. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I go and set up blind somewhere in the morning and then scout that afternoon to try to find yeah. these scenarios. And I think I, I, I'm, I have a very high confidence that it's going to pay off. Yeah. Like my confidence level is, through the roof on this scenario. Yeah. I think right now. And I think if other people start doing it, they'll start yeah. seeing the same thing happening. Um, I'm excited about it, dude. Yeah, man. It's going to be a good season. I am. I know we, we're we getting ready to get cranked off here in Alabama. And I know some states have already opened. but This weekend, um, man. Yeah. Yep. This weekend in, in our portion of the state, it's... Are you going to um, going to get to hunt Saturday? As of right now, yes. Yeah. Unless... I'm just going to hunt Saturday evening. Yeah, um, we got we got cheer, little yeah. girls cheering. So yeah, we're gonna do that, and then I'm gonna hunt Saturday evening. Then I've I've got a uh, I've got to be at church on Sunday morning. And I'm probably gonna go out Sunday evening. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm I'm going to I feel like the, another thing too that we didn't say, and we don't have to spend time on it, but I feel like evening hunts are better in this scenario because you can go at it mm-hmm. uh, from the hot food source. If you go at it in the dark in the morning. It's hard to find hot sign in the dark. Even if you know the signs there, though, yeah. even if you know about a hot feed tree, they're probably there in the dark. Right. 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 <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, or just getting ready to leave it just as you're getting to it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So evening hunts kind of tend to be a little bit better yeah. in this scenario. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey! Shout out to our turkey hunting <laughs> Joey. friend, Joey. Uh, Joey goes up to Maryland. Um, <laughs> It was first calling contest, and so uh, beat a bunch of kids. Beat a bunch of kids, Joey. Great job, man. <laughs> no, seriously, Joey. Congrats on that, and, and also, man, we're praying for the kiddo as well, too. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was pre- pretty cool. Pretty he cool. Uh, the the whole thing. He posted that picture with Billy Madison in it. Yeah, he was like I'm the smartest. I'm the smartest man in the world. Yep, because he beat a bunch of kids. Yeah, it's uh, it funny. If you don't know Joey Bell, you should go follow him. We've we've had him on the podcast. Um, he he basically just lives and dies turkey hunting, like yeah. a lot like a lot of you guys. So he's a great he's a, a patron member of Southern Ground. He, yes, uh, and this is a good a good uh, plug for our Patreon. If you like the show and you want to get more plugged into the show, we don't advertise it just a ton, um, yeah. but our Patreon is a great place to do that. Uh, we have an awesome Marco Polo group. Get some free southern ground merchandise and uh get to hang out with us digitally on uh on marco polo and then there's a couple more uh, a couple more perks to it perks to it which is pretty cool so go and check out uh our patreon we'd love it if you would uh support the show 
And guys, if you, if you have any um, uh, pictures of whatever you kill this year, does, bucks, whatever, man, now throw them on Southern Ground and um, get us all fired up for um, this upcoming weekend. Yep, Southern Ground Open Forum on Facebook. It's our Facebook group. We try to post on there a lot. So, anyways, Drew, good luck this uh, this coming weekend. Same to you, man. I'm going I'm to try to get out there and punch my ticket on some stuff. Do it. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. And as always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Tethered, Spartan Forge, and Six Day Grind Coffee Company. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.